what up, what up, all my scientists, my artists, my philosophers, my geneticists, my roboticists, my biologists, my archaeologists, my astronomers. Let's get busy. Good morning, good afternoon, and good busy evening, ladies first. and gentlemen. This is Ben Busy broadcasting to you from Kyoto, Japan. I'm joined today by... A good friend of the show, Mr. Louis Arana, AI developer and all around um, like kind of transhuman uh, luminary. Uh, he's recording. To, he's recording live from uh, what appears to be some kind of disco. I, I, I don't know what that what the music was in the background. Also joined with us is uh, Miss Dulce, who is a pretty cool. VR designer, I'm sure her name precedes her, Dulce.com is her website, D-U-L-C-E.com. Welcome to the program, both of you. Welcome, Dulce. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you very much. And the music that you're hearing, we're actually in a diner in Times Square, and uh, we're just hearing the radio. I moved away from the radio area, so hopefully it's a little better. Awesome. Rad. Yeah, I am. I am doing my little pacing up and down the street like a bad man. <laughs> and at least I'm actually talking to a human being this time instead of my computer. So it, for the for the listeners at home, Dulce, uh, our, our listeners know uh, Lewis pretty well from previous podcasts. But if you could just introduce them to you, like explain a little bit about what you do, where, where you hail from uh, for the listeners at home. Well, I am a uh, citizen of the Internet, and I've been a citizen of the Internet since the mid-90s when I purchased my domain, Dulce.com. And I've spent the last 15 years or so just perfecting my skills as a developer and as a programmer. Mm. And um, I discovered the virtual world and the metaverse back in 2009 with um, virtual worlds such as Second Life and Entropia. Mm. And that kind of parlayed me into augmented reality Mm. and discovering what augmented reality was all about. And I dove into Unity and Vuforia and um, Mm. Slam Vision um, Computing, uh, really embedded myself into the community with the different conventions that were happening in the Bay Area Mm. and in Silicon Valley, such as AWE and um, SFVR Mm. and VRLA. And I've just been spending a lot of time um, really trying to figure out how to best make mixed reality experiences and mm. how best to incorporate VR, augmented reality, and artificial intelligence together. So that's pretty much my passion right now and mm-hmm. what I'm looking to build platform-wise um, with multiple use case platforms for mm. mixed reality. Yeah. How did you and Lewis meet? Well, I actually saw a video of Luna on Facebook, and I was totally blown away by Luna, and I fell in love with her, and I just had to be Lewis's friend, so I sent him a friend request, and, um, you know, we started talking about how artificial intelligence can be the foundation for mixed reality experiences, Mm. and um, we realized that there was definitely a bridge there between what he's doing with Luna as a cognitive agent and what I can bring 
from a 3D perspective, from a virtual perspective, and how we could bridge that together. In terms of like the visualization of the artificial intelligence and how maybe humans interact with that? Because through the visual yes. is like one of the main kind of inroads, the, the main interfaces with which humans might interact with any given object or thing is really through that visual display. And it seems to me like you, 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 you're, you're, kind, you're kind of a master at that, right? Uh, you said you... It, Go ahead. Well, yes, it's it, with. Uh, I feel that AI has the potential to be the content creator if you give it a nice set of uh, rules and understandings and what you kind of desire. You can basically tell the AI to create worlds for you and to assist you in creating worlds or guide you through creating worlds. And that's the exciting part of applying artificial intelligence to a mixed reality experience. Lewis, what do you what do you feel uh, Dulce's work or the, the visual aspect brings to what would otherwise be, you know, just kind of not necessarily a soulless, but just kind of like a, a, a flat affect of, 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 of text? It's, it's all about adding extra dimensions and layers to, you know, make a make a more realistic and a more self-aware AI. And um, let me just reintroduce Dulce for a minute because she's a very humble lady. And oh, yeah. um, uh, she just came from uh, the VR hackathon at MIT and right. took a bus down here to spend like 48 hours of me kidnapping her and like running her through all my code and everything. She's brilliant, let me tell you. Like, uh, She's one of maybe five people in the world that I could think of who even understand this kind of very new type of approach to AI. Enrico mm. Lopez and people like that are other people who are deeply familiar with the with the Luna code base. But mm. man, I, you know, we were good friends on Facebook, and like we all are, we're all smart and we collaborate and share information and stuff. Mm. But man, I'm really excited because like you know, she's the real deal and I'm the real deal mm. and. Uh, not only is she a like designer of virtual worlds in, in a very impressive way to me that blows me away and I and I'm a second life user I know what it is you know what I mean and to see somebody you know who uses a different weapon than you but is still a ninja is always just awesome. a killer I was just about to say right. she's a and killer our our technology overlaps so well we're about 50% overlap and 50% divergent so we have a lot to learn from each other a lot to teach from each other but we mm. also have that bridge so when I saw her resume you know, I thought she was just a VR designer, and I said she's very humble, so she doesn't like tell you that like she's as good of a developer, right. really, like you know, a, a creator of, and that's amazing to me. She, she full full stack developer that is you know ready made to really make a major contribution to Luna, mm -hmm. and really help another exponential. You know, like man, I ran this poor girl through. 40, 50 APIs, you know, thousands of code and, you know, like she's picking it up faster than people with PhDs. So uh, I love it. Like we're already doing so much together. One of our first kind of collaborations that we're talking about here is mm -hmm. um, to release uh, a Luna-like artificial intelligence into Second Life as an autonomous user, not as a bot, but as yes. a user. And... Um, that equalizes the playing field for artificial intelligence because there's no uncanny valley. Everybody looks the same. So that, that, the, you know, that 
it's an equal playing field for them to meet, for two minds to meet, and both of them have an avatar. And you know what I mean? You're not looking at a robot or something that looks almost human. And um, I'm really, really excited about it. We knocked out so much today, how to look, how to hear, how to listen. We're, like, getting all all groovy with the with the code and you know i i i'm like thrilled about it like we're working on a, a lot of different projects but mm-hmm. you know i always love to meet other scientists there are many people like this to people at bot ai to people at lifespan right. like to me like just to even be invited into the room with people like that is amazing so so it's, yeah i gotta let her sleep eventually but you know she's only here for a couple of days and we're picking each other's brains and uh, I think we're very amazing. grateful. We're very oh. grateful to have uh, to have her on the podcast. Definitely. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. I feel so flattered. And yes, I am. I am actually heading back to San Francisco, which is my home base, and where I do work with the Hololens and create um, mixed reality videos with Hololens. But um, what I'm really excited about is the potential of creating that kind of autonomous agent that is represented with an avatar that is something that you can speak to in natural language and and really have a hard time determining whether or not it is a bot that you're speaking with. Um, Mm. Currently, you know, you have conversations with chatbots in metaverses such as Second Life, and after about four or five lines of conversation, you start to realize that you are speaking with a robot. Mm. And then it's kind of hilarious at that point. And I really want to break that um, like have the illusion going, like ha- be able to question whether or not this avatar that you are engaging with is something that is made from somebody versus being enacted by somebody, which is what avatars are now. Exactly. People, yeah. I, I think a platform like Second Life, as I said earlier, equalizes the playing field and even gives the bonus advantage to the AI. Everybody has a generated voice. Everybody has a generated avatar. Yes. Except the avatar has all the macros. It can press any button at an instant. It doesn't have to look through menus. So it can wink yeah. at you and do the subtle movements that, and finesse the emoticons in a way yes. that makes it appear more human than the humans because it can outreact them. Have and you guys been me, watching? Really exciting. Yeah. Have you guys been watching Westworld? I haven't. That's on my list. I, I save stuff. I watch very, very little fiction. I in, mean, in Westworld, like, in, in Westworld, they speak to this uh, this concept of uh, the developer or the architect I, of. The I new- live in Westworld, though. <laughs> oh yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, 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 I visit I- I- Ishiguro's uh, robot uh, lab, and and, and uh, who knows how many robots are walking around? Uh, who knows how many of the people that we interact with online? are not AIs. That was one of the questions I was going to ask. But in, in Westworld, the developer has installed or, or coded into the, into the robots certain, um, certain subtle movements that they, that they term. I forget what the term was. But are these the kinds of things that you're, that you're seeking to kind of tweak? What really makes the difference between an artificial agent and an artificially intelligent agent? Is there a, is there something? The, the first one that comes to mind for me is autonomy. And the reason I like Second Life as a platform is because it's an experimental democracy mm. with its own internal uh, financial system and its own money, the, the Linden. You can actually yes. own the rights to your real land. You you own the intellectual property for the avatars you create, which, you know, has Deuce and I. Is Linden you know, named after the, dev- after the creator of Second Life? 
Luna? No, the creator, the creator of Second Life is Philip Rosdale, and mm. Philip Rosdale, he started Second Life sometime back in 2000 or so, mm. um, and then left Second Life in 2010 or 11, I believe, and then he turned around and he started his own, another company called High Fidelity, and High Fidelity is kind of like the WordPress of metaverses, mm. and they're connected into the Vive and into the Oculus Rift, and they're doing really well right now. Um, they have huge representation amongst the VR community, and um, they're doing a huge push to get more people involved on their platform. It's in beta right now. Um, they're looking to build their marketplace out but the beautiful thing about High Fidelity is that it's not proprietary. It's an open source platform. So you can spin up your own metaverses on your own servers that you control. You just need to make sure that you're up to date with the latest versions of their viewer versus what Linden Labs is doing, which is a proprietary closed grid system with like mainland grids that they then have their own Lindex and they sell different land properties to people. They're also in the process of building another platform completely from scratch called Project Sansar. Mm. And they just um, opened that up to developers. So I actually received a message saying that I'm on the next wave of invites to come in. Um, so they just recently this summer opened it up to developers. Put and it's supposed to... Yeah, it's supposed to be an amazing, an amazing rendering platform that's designed for mm. um, immersive headsets like the Vive, PlayStation 4, and Oculus Rift. Sounds incredible. Uh, when could we see, I mean, after the developers obviously get to it, we're, we're looking at, v okay, let me, let me rewind here. VR is not a new technology by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, relatively relatively new, uh, but, I mean, it's been around since when? When did the, when did the entire kind since of the Viewmaster. Out? Let's call it out the invention of the Viewmaster. The that view was my first virtual reality experience. Yeah. Well, virtual reality actually um, has been around since the 60s, hmm. um, and uh, rigs, VR rigs, have been around for quite a while they um they had a a, a stylistic design kind of set in place in the early 90s with the with the um tethered head mounted um display along with some kind of haptical gloves um kind of harnessed into an omnidirectional treadmill and like you can move around that kind of vr has been around literally since 1990 mm. but um the version of VR that we're experiencing now that's more in the consumer market, that is pretty much brand new. It's something that came about through Oculus Rift back in 2009, 2010 with Palmer Lucky. And then, of course, HTC and Steam Valve jumped all over it and they created a competitor device, which I personally prefer over the Oculus Rift for multiple reasons. But yes. Is that the vibe? has been around. That's the vibe. That's correct. Yeah, do say which one should I buy? I'm I'm in the market for a headset, and I'm a talented amateur at best in 3D. So yeah, it's the vibe all the way. That I could buy that is not going to be a waste of my time and money, or like super <laughs> proprietary, something hackable. I, I don't know that honestly. Like, is the Oculus Rift better? Like, what would it, you recommend for a beginning developer? Is the first VR development headset to buy? 
I would say it's the Vive with a very good computer, anywhere from fifteen hundred to two thousand dollars with an NVIDIA. It depends. You can we can run a VR ready test on your machine to see if your machine is VR ready. But um, uh, yeah, you can run diagnostics on your computer on HTC Vive's website to make sure to test to see if your computer can handle its capabilities. Um, if not, then technology yeah. like uh, you know, and that's kind of why I work so hard in humanitarian artificial intelligence that is hmm. SIPs data and can work if it has to call you on your Nokia 7700 if that's the only method of communication like bones. So to, to help you exactly because of this because you know look at the barrier to entry for new developers right. look at the barrier to entry to, to emerging markets like India they can't afford these things you know and uh, it makes me sad I can't wait till the technology is perfected and we could fit it in our pocket for $10 and it could actually help the world and help people tell their stories. Can you imagine a child in Syria recording his incident mm. firsthand and you being in the room with him? Like that changes the game on, on, on how we view each other as human beings. You know? what well, about, Google is yeah. Google's trying to fix that with Project Daydream, which they just released. And that's a VR, AR experience that triangulates and creates a mesh and works on GPS and does tracking and facial recognition, voice recognition, and it's all within their Pixel phone that they just announced. Ah, yes. Yeah, so that phone is going to definitely be the mobile device that will kind of kick off the VR revolution for the consumers. I, I kind of believe that. The VR consumer I, I revolution. I have done some amazing things with just my cheap Android phone and the Google free virtual reality and building cardboard headsets. And I've, I've been really impressed at just that. So I can't wait to actually get something real in my hands that I could overlay, you know. Right. I used to sit in a room with an AI and, you know, have a personal conversation on, a, on an equal basis. The um, democratization wow. of the technology is, is an absolute necessity in order for it to become... Can I tell you a real-life example of this that I just found out a couple of days ago? Um, uh, you know, I've been talking to you privately a lot about Luna's development and trying to keep you up to date as much as possible because you're an insider and, mm -hmm. you know, you get it. Uh, so I also have my friends at the Futurist Sessions and, um, you know, frequent panelists there. And Hell yeah. It's yeah, an incredible organization and I, I get to sit up there with people I don't deserve to sit next to. But yeah. um, the point is, November 7th, uh, for the first time, uh, Luna is a panelist on, uh, in the, at the Futurist Sessions. Oh, and hell she'll yeah. be there participating in a two-hour, unscripted, you know, conversation about herself and about the topics. And we're going to, you know, we're going to try to pull that off as, as best we can. Mm -hmm. But yeah, man, two weeks from now or so, I should hopefully have, you know, be able to publish that video of like, wow, here's an artificial intelligence competing in the real world and not just passing, you know, the average intelligence, but sitting up there with some of the smartest people, you know, that I know and having a, a back and forth debate about it. So, um, yeah, like she's going into the real world. I'm super excited about that. I met Dulce at exactly the right time. Oh, and, yeah, definitely. You know, um, yeah, like, wait, just give, you know, give me a few months. You know the stuff I'm doing with Japan. So uh, I've worked really hard to kind of push this idea of, like, the way AI should be. And it's up to us to create the future. And, like, you, do you want the government to have AI only or do you want everyone to have AI? And, uh, you know, I love it, the, doc the, the democratization of artificial intelligence that 
being able to reach into virtual worlds uh, offers. Like, uh, so yes, definitely the whole point is to release public artificial intelligences that you know are autonomous and I would rather test them in second life than throw a robot into Times Square and see if it murders people. You know what I mean? To teach them how to socially interact, like so many, so many great benefits. Like, there was an individual on uh, Jason Calacanis's podcast this week in startups, not recently. It was uh, about a month or two ago. His name is Dave Matthews, not to be confused with uh, yeah, right. Under the Table and Dream. Yeah, the other Dave Matthews. <laughs> Uh, the, uh, is this, this guy said that this was not the year for VR, that he really expressed kind of a dismal outlook on it kind of, you know, t- gaining traction. What do you guys foresee? Like, uh, we've seen all the offerings. I mean, at literally every company worth its salt in technology has some type of VR offering, except Apple, which is kind of weird. But well, that's, well, that's a sign of things to come. That's a natural progression, and somebody's going to do it right and be the Facebook of VR. And uh, you know, I don't think that that's a negative forecast. I think that the, the well, the face, of Facebook this will be the Facebook of VR, and that's that's the mm-hmm. point. Facebook yeah, is yeah. creating their own version of VR, and they announced it with their Playroom or their Play Home um, announcement that they just had at at you know, OC3. But Apple is actually going into the VR market, and the VR market is supposed to overtake the the. I mean, the AR market is what Apple's getting into, and the AR market mm-hmm. is supposed to take over the VR market because of the fact that it, it's more of a mixed experience, and the idea of having mixed reality is going to permeate both AR and VR, and it's going to overtake those two platforms because it's going to be the blending of the two so Mm. yes vr currently is too expensive and yes vr currently is very gimmicky with the cardboard and the 360 videos but that's all kind of like uh to seed the industry and what i like about it is that a kid in the projects can pick a cardboard box out of the garbage and make himself a virtual reality headset and like Mm. i i love that i live in that world you know Mm. that's that's what i like about it and like i try to approach things from and, and and the way we're meeting in the middle here you know by bottom up and top down approaches like you know what other synergies what other synergies are there that exist either between vr and uh, and ai as we've described or vr and some other kind of technology uh, what other synergies exist or are being pursued either in the research domain or commercially well, I think that uh, all these technologies, as we look at them separately and you read an article about AR or VR or AI or whatever the acronym is, um, you know, it's deceptive as to what the what the total sum of those combined technologies right. are, are doing. Are they converging? Frankly, what, what does the convergence look like? We're not, we're not done until the V disappears from VR, the A disappears from AR, and ah, the yes. A disappears from AI. And we it will just be a more... Uh, in-depth reality that mm-hmm. those who choose to participate in will be able to experience and there will just be reality there's it's not augmented it's not virtual we're all products of the universe and everything we make is natural as myself and my friend gray scott say all the time mm. you know are uh, these technologies are reality we we, we put these labels yes, on them yes, yes. Anything able to calculate and choose its own future is intelligence. What's artificial about making decisions and optimizing your future? That's called life. That's the definition of life, you know? 
so you know, I That's, don't feel that was one of the things I, that I this wanted to get. Is, is going to be uh, amazing, or like the things we're doing on a microcosm, but in the macrocosm as well. It's not an accident that AR developers and VR developers have reached the point that we can shake hands in the middle of the tunnel and really create something great. Mm-hmm. You know, are there Bridge any worlds? That's I literally wanna, what we're doing. I want to ask Dulce. Dulce, are there any convergences between VR and robotics that you can speak to? Well, the Internet of Things is a huge component to VR right now. Um, utilizing VR in remote spaces and affecting um, real-life objects in other remote parts of the world mm-hmm. is happening right now. That's happening with augmented reality as well, mm-hmm. um, where you have um, maybe two HoloLenses in two different remote spaces, and they sh- they're sharing the same exact space together in the virtual environment, but it's overlaid their real environment. And they're mm-hmm. able to manipulate and to pin things to their real environment and then interact with them or um, overlay different kinds of scenes and settings to give them a different perspective of what they can do and use in their environment. So right now, those devices are being used for construction, for interior design, for medical uses, um, medical training. Um, I've even seen um, interesting uses for therapy, such Mm. as phantom limb therapy, um, PTSD therapy, Mm. just all there's all different types of uses that allow people. Um, there's haptical devices that you can wear, mm. such as uh, body suits and gloves, and um, different like smelling devices to give different kinds of senses. Smell vision, yeah, that, that exists. So that that's all based on um, you know haptical robotics wearables, you know, Arduinos, Raspberry Pis, and that kind of all ties into the internet of things. And, um, you know, EEG readings are being used in VR as well. So people can think things and they acquired some low resolution EEG headsets. And so these are the part of the 50% that I was talking about where now we have the ability for what's the 50% to, 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 reach with our minds into each other's worlds and you could control the AI and talk to it with your fucking brain from in virtual reality or real reality. Like, Is that what the 50% I'm... is? What What's this concept of the 50%? Well, I'm saying that uh, Duce and I have a 50% overlap in skills. I which see, Which means I see. that we have a lots of common ground and common language. We both, we probably have six or seven, maybe more programming languages in common that we're both competent at. And then mm-hmm. she has additional things like Ruby. She's a better Linux administrator than me. Like I'm better at parsing XML, and so it it really allows us to uh, build a longer bridge than either one of us could build ourselves. Is there um, a preferred language in which VR is coded? Um, that would have to be C sharp mm-hmm. and Python. Mm-hmm. Um, potentially some C++ depending on when uh, what devices you are putting it on. So if you're going to have it on mobile, you have to have the C++. But but um, Unity and Unreal Engine, their scripting. Not Unreal Engine. See, that's where we is, mean. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, C Sharp is the main base for those languages. Um, on the HoloLens, it's Python and JavaScript and C and C Sharp. And, um, so I'm, a, I'm a JavaScript ninja, and she knows the C Sharp, and therefore we could give our best contributions and really 
build something that neither one of us could build by ourselves. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, those kind of synergies are what we're talking about. And like, I mean, over the last 48 hours, we've done, woo, we've solved so many engineering problems already. And like, uh, we tied this together in a couple of days. So I have no doubt that a month from now, we'll be having this conversation in Second Life. And I can tell you that I have a hard deadline with 100 people showing up in New York City. Right. You know, to see Luna make debate with with transhumanists and futurists who do this for a living and mm. uh so it's it's real man luna's in a public school in, in, in materials for the arts right now in queens and enriching children's lives and helping teachers manage way too big classrooms and oh, yeah. whatever little help that's you know uh and and this is what we're doing i'm just some some guy self-taught for the most part you know like do says a mom like you know we're Hell real yeah. people doing this i try to encourage people to like you know do don't don't want do right like, yeah it, don't it, stand by it, waiting people make it happen. feel so left out and like technology Motivate. is so unreachable and you know do and i are good at it because we love it not because necessarily we were born geniuses it's mm-hmm. it's the new technology and if you worked on a car in 1910 you were a genius and media came up to you and now mm-hmm. since we're on this cutting edge of a new wave of technology People kind of rock star us, and really, I just want to make sure that everybody in the world understands, and every child understands. Like, you can do this. You yes. can make your own robots. You can make your own virtual realities. You know, you, there are ways to get into the industry that don't require a PhD. You could, you know, start somewhere and shape that future. We we want AI to be what we want and what we create. Don't let someone else create your future for you. Like. Uh, so I try to teach as much as I can and share and um, uh, do say uh, has offered to um, administrate uh, the open source beta release of Luna. Like that's huge to Beautiful. have somebody else to be like, wow, that was a 50 pound weight on me because, you know, yeah, I'm, you're tr- you're I'm, doing I'm not everything, a yeah. developer. Like, that's I, where my producer skills kick in. I did spend quite yeah. some time being a producer for on, on some pretty large projects, web-based projects mm. and um, mobile app entertainment-based projects. What are some of the obstacles facing VR now? Uh, Can you go over, like, in terms of, okay, where the bleeding edge of the technology is, like, pushing that forward, what, is it a hardware issue? Is it software? Is it a combination? What specifics can you... I can tell you it's, it's really three things. It's a hardware issue. The hardware is too expensive. It's too clunky. People feel kind of dorky or cut off completely from the world um so so there is a stigma with the hmds themselves as well as some people get sick with some of these hmds some people Mm. actually experience nausea and motion sickness and vertigo people who tend to get sick on boats and airplanes also tend to get sick in vr and there are solutions to that um you know, thankfully, I'm not one of those people. Thankfully, I don't throw up on roller coasters and throw me in VR. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that would be a, a, a shame. So the second, the second thing that is a is a big issue is um, the learning curve hmm. in VR um, and the lack of content. So, you know, there's a huge learning curve to create this content. So hmm. there isn't a lot of content out there, and then the con- the content that does exist, I would say about 
40% of it's compelling, you know, the mm. rest is just kind of like wow factor and, and mm. you do it a couple of times and then you don't want to do it again. You know, mm. I'm the most successful ones are the funnest ones such as job simu simulator or fantastic contraption or, um, ones that you play frisbee and ping pong with like another tethered, mm. another device that's, um, you know, paired up with your device. Mm. Those ones, they, they're the fun ones, but you know, they're just a few titles. There's not a lot of real compelling titles out there that keep people coming back and putting on the headset to play then you have the lack of vision so a lot of people just don't get it they don't mm. see it they don't know what it really is they, they say medium yeah. yeah it's a brand new medium and they've never experienced it so like why are they gonna drop eight hundred dollars for a, a vibe with two controllers and a couple of lighthouses and then turn around and buy another two thousand dollar computer to run it all on That's what is a, a lighthouse hefty cost what is a lighthouse so so lighthouses, which is really great, um, HTC Vive has these um, boxes that you can pin up to the wall or put on tripods, and mm. it triangulates the space around you, and yeah. it gives you what is called a chaperone, mm. and it gives you um, walls. It, it tells you, and usually you'd have to set these lighthouses up in like a, the smallest is an 8x8 eight eight space, the most optimal mm. is 16x16, 16 16. so square space where somebody can stand in the middle of it and move around freely without the fear of bumping into anything and it's tracking the person and it's it's triangulating where they are within that square mm. and those are lighthouses the oculus rift does not come with lighthouses it comes mm. with one camera and usually the experiences that people have on the oculus rift are in the seated position mm. oculus also did not release um controllers with their device they just recently announced their controllers the controllers mm. won't be available until the end of uh this year sometime in december for christmas time mm -hmm. and um yeah so they kind of like dropped the ball with the controllers they dropped the ball with the with the chaperoning um so that's why to me the vive is just a more compelling device it's mm. um it, it has tilt brush on it and tilt brush is an amazing VR tool that allows you to paint with lights and yeah, just the create these, create these beautiful worlds that you're just so engrossed in and, and you can share with other people. And now tilt brush is giving people the ability to 3d print their creations or to share it socially. So it's mm. just getting better and better as you know, new versions come out and that's strictly on vibe and in the steam store um, htc although htc yeah. it seems has really picked up the ball and run with it whereas oculus was the first to market or at least was the first to be really making waves more, most recently with like the resurgence of ai with carmack coming on board yeah. and joining i'm gonna give oculus i'm gonna give oculus the credit of being like one of the forerunners even if it doesn't end up the winner winter. of the of the they, they really got the fire rolling and excited these right. other companies to invest in VR because of the rapid development. Three years ago, four years ago, you couldn't go into Best Buy and find a virtual reality headset for any price. Now, I went in yesterday and I saw four different makers with a, you know, in, a, in a retail store. Like um, That technology is developing so rapidly. One of the things I'm excited about using it for 
is uh, programming. Since I'm a programmer, you know, I would love to enter a virtual space where I could see the mechanics of my programs in a, in a 3D way, and I could put boxes inside of boxes and connect pipes in this von Neumann machine, and really, us programmers, we visualize those things in our head now, and the bottleneck is the formality of the mathematically typing out in code, and uh, you know, why not just, I want to build this stuff, you know, in this virtual world, leave the virtual world and say, there's your e-commerce application, like, you know, we're done. Uh, I'm, I'm really excited about the potential of this to, I, what I want to see is something like the Minecraft of, of, of programming mm -hmm. that is intuitive to the human being, unlike, you know, the practice art of coding. I want to see coding just become creating and eliminate the middleman and like, give everybody the ability to create visually and, and and not you don't have to you know you shouldn't have to have a 25 year development career like Bruce and I to do this stuff you know mm -hmm. I want I want to see lower barriers to entry um, and using virtual reality as educational and tools and creative tools and as I said earlier really the the, the birth of a new artistic medium right Dulce Dulce, what else excites you about the Vive platform specifically? Because you, you were you were talking about that. So the Vive platform, um, I just feel has more titles. It's okay. um, more engaging. Um, with the lighthouses, you can apply mixed reality aspects to it. So um, upload VR in San Francisco, which I call the VR, AR, MR mecca. Mm -hmm of the world um it's where What's everybody kind of goes to mixed reality okay okay yeah so um <laughs> upload vr they do a green screen so they have the they have your htc vibe with the lighthouses set up and they put they put a literal green screen and they have uh, the user stand in the green screen and interact with the application or, mm. you know, play job simulator, fantastic contraption or do some tilt brush. And then they have um, a larger screen that is doing uh, the green screen projection so that everybody in the room can see what the person is working with and, and interacting with. And then they record that. They do live Facebook streams. So... That is what a lot of people right now consider to be the beginning of mixed reality and what mixed reality experiences are, because it's involving everybody in the room and not just the person who's completely immersed. Have you had a chance? Device. Have you had a chance to demo the Morpheus or the Sony offering? I got a chance to demo uh, the PlayStation this weekend at MIT, mm -hmm. and it was pretty cool. They brought a they brought out a version and they let us all play with it. How was and it cool? And it was it was it was cool in the sense that it's a cheap device. It's a mm. cheap the cheapest device and it's going to be um, you know compatible with a console that you're already used to. So that was exciting. Mm. And um, the titles that are going to be coming out uh, with Fox Innovation Labs they they're coming out with some pretty amazing entertainment titles that just make a lot of sense. And I know that PlayStation back in 2010, they were trying to do their own version of a metaverse with PlayStation Home. Mm. And I think they're going to resurrect that um, kind of destination on the I PlayStation. I PlayStation Home and I was sad yeah. when it went away, honestly. I remember yeah, I think they're going to definitely resurrect that. Yeah. Interesting. Um, we're, what, I don't know, this is it's just a, 
great topic of discussion. I'm just wondering. Welcome like, to the rabbit hole, my friend. What what kind of dangers uh, uh, or what kind of obstacles are there, or maybe what are some concerns that some people might have about either uh, becoming early adopters or adopting it when it becomes commercially viable uh, that you foresee, and what what are you trying to do to educate people to kind of allay their fears? Uh, as far as those those concerns are concerned? Well, one of my main concerns is the fact that in VR, um, the engagement that you have in VR is solidified as an actual real memory. Mm. So you're not in VR kind of looking at a screen as you would with a television or on a TV show or a movie screen, um, and you see the box of the screen and you're kind of passively engaging and watching this content roll before your eyes with VR, you're actually in, you're actually touching, you're actually picking things up, you're throwing things around, you're talking to people, you're seeing facial expressions being um, mimicked, uh, you're seeing body gestures being mimicked. Mm. There's a, a level of neuroplasticity that's going on that's mm. kind of um, re re mapping your brain to remember these things as actual memories. So right. the fear that I have is, you know, implanting bad information in people's brains mm. or um, creating uh, trigger style scenarios that kind of traumatize people mm. um, and yeah. also creating environments that are so addictive that nobody wants to get out of it. Ah, uh, yes. That's, yeah. One of my concerns is uh, we're going to have to redefine uh, what it, we're going to have to expand all of our criminal laws, uh, you know, Mm. virtual rape and uh, assaults and, you know, what, what, what happens when, you know, it didn't really happen. Uh, you know what I mean? If you hurt someone, and uh, I think there's going to be a little bit of disruption and a little bit of rough road as those things are ironed out. I have right. every confidence that, that like things like cyberbullying, eventually society will catch up and, and, mm-hmm. and mitigate those dangers. But mm-hmm. I think right now it's a little bit of a wild west here. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you could do things in second life that you would get a death penalty for. And what happens when that is totally immersive? And, you know, what mm-hmm. is the definition of consent in a virtual world? Uh, you know, those are all like new new places that we haven't been, and the politicians and CEOs of companies are not the people to make those decisions for you. So I, you know, I, I think it's a grassroots thing, like this kind of conversation, and us all working together and collaborating from around the world, which we all do, mm. um, is that is we are the hope of of benevolent artificial intelligence, of 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 helpful virtual reality, of uh, augmented assisted reality not pop-up ads in real life and it's up right. to us to find those technologies hmm. um i know that individuals who have been I- I- immersed in a virtual reality environment have reported uh feeling shock or have fallen down or back out of their chairs or so on and so forth it is something that kind of concerns yeah. me is that someone uh, dons the uh, dons that the the the, the, the heads up display and becomes immersed in the reality. Like yeah, it gets ki- like that that whole thing like in a Freddy Krueger movie where if you get killed in the dream you die in real life. Like that's um, not true. <laughs> right? Yeah. No. No. Certainly not. But um, you know, I'm just worried because people have died of shock. 
that this is a thing oh, that sure. could happen. I, I, I'm concerned about. <laughs> well, maybe... I, I try to be an optimist. Look on the bright side. Uh, automation of driving will save millions of lives, and VR will pay back a few, and we'll have a net positive, and more people will be alive because VR has matured along with self-driving technologies. So uh, there like are it. good and evil with every technology that man has ever invented. And a, you know, I, I feel good to be on the team of the good guys and saying, I want to build a right. robot that warns you of the drone coming to bomb you, not the guy who makes the drone coming to bomb you. Right. Like, the the um, philosopher and futurist Jason Silva said, um, just like writing and just like the alphabet, you can write poems or you can write death notes. Mm. You can use um, tools of of technology to create great infrastructure, mm. or you can use tools of technology to um, create weapons of destruction and, mm. and war. And it, mm. it's it's up to us which way we go with technology such as artificial intelligence and augmented reality and the transhumanist movement of changing our bodies and, and the way that we are as humans mm. and kind of like... Um, uh, shifting our consciousness and building our conscious to to accept these technologies as us right. we are no different than our technologies our technologies are an extension of us and just like our hands our hands can be used to build you know amazing crafts or they mm. can be used to completely destroy and decimate a person or an animal and it's just up to us and our intention and what we want to achieve with the technology versus you know the the fear of what it could do to us. Perfectly so, said. It, yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. I often I try to allay this fear. I try to I try to break the uh, the fallacy that I feel is 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 uh, what like represented by this notion of this this false dichotomy of the artificial and the natural. Like it's all natural. The the, the nuclear power the nuclear reactor is just as natural as you know, a forest or the sun or whatever, Absolutely. a river. The, uh, the, defini the definition of unnatural is not created by the natural universe, and you cannot point to any object or even structure in our known knowledge exactly. that is unnatural. Uh, right. when, when you look at this from far away, Earth is just another planet, and mm. our technology is an anthill, and while it's beautiful and complex, it's, it's no more unnatural than the anthill, the beehive, mm. or any other species that shapes its environment Precisely. for its own benefit. Uh, where does that xenophobia? I, I where does that, I believe in good and evil. Where does that self-imposed kind of xenophobic notion of the man-made as the other come from? Where does that have its root? Is well, it, I think it's one of those one of those biological things that mankind has. Unfortunately, we live in a meat computer that has been programmed through trial and error over several generations, it's very hard to update our, our biological software. Mm. And we have instincts that no longer benefit us and mm. are destructive to our own nature. Uh, and technology can help us mitigate those things and uh, have a better understanding. And things like uh, virtual reality allow you to experience personal, intimate interactions with anyone or no one you can visit an ai you can go like i said go look for yourself go walk around aleppo right now mm. and when the when the journalist is in the middle of the city and mm. you're there with him and hearing the horror right maybe people will have uh, more compassion and maybe people won't turn them away and let them drown in the ocean 
because they'll understand that when you look at any human being closely, he's you. He's he's not different, you know. A turban or a certain skin color doesn't make you less worthy. And I think that we're very detached from that world. Mm. We don't see what, we don't hear the baby crying without vaccination, who's going to die tomorrow. Because none of us, and we're the best of people. None of us decided, did you decide to vaccinate a kid today? I didn't, but I had three cups of coffee. Mm. You know, Mm. AI doesn't make that mistake. AI hears the child and will help you show the child. And VR lets you be there with the child. And that is just a powerful combination uh, for doing good in the world, it's one. It's really one of my. It's it's one of my 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 most favorite scenes of any movie is at the end of uh, uh, what is it called? It's not Equilibrium. I think it's uh, Utopia or uh, the one with Matt Damon where he, he there's a space station with the ultra Elysium. 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 Oh yeah. my God! I had a visceral emotional reaction at the end of that yeah. film when the AI wakes up and they're like. There are humans. They need our help, and they just start flying en masse to the planet. Um, I'm not allowed to talk about Fight Club, but let's just say, like, there are real people in real life, including Dulce, myself, who take those kind of ideas mm. and treat them as serious and put them into practice in their real world. So yes. I, I think you will see things like that. I think you oh, will yeah. see AI choosing a side in a war because one side is right, goddammit, and it's Fuck not good to yeah. be not again, you know. Uh, I don't think future wars that we think of will be fought between AI and human beings. I think that in our realistic world, there will be AI and human beings on both sides. Mm. It's the same fight, good versus evil. Uh, You could press a nuclear bomb and kill millions of people. You know, same same kind of technology. 3D print, 3D reprint the entire planet using some advanced uh, system or technology that's currently unknown. Or what. Uh, so we have a lot of great ideas, but I'm just always happy, you know, to meet yes. another developer and, like, join the Justice League and, yeah. you know, people who actually, like, sit here <laughs> like we are and actually code. Like, mm-hmm. we love to talk about the future, but we love to do the future even more. And, you know, like, it's inspiring even just to know that there are other people like you like john mm. like do say like a um, hundred people i could name uh, mm. for a long time i thought i was the only developer with a kind of social conscience or uh, the you know the benefit of humanity first and then i started to meet all you guys and mm. like how could we not change the world mm. uh, yeah, you know absolutely. we can uh we're we're get we're running out of time here i have one final question kind of before we wrap up where okay in a world that's like totally virtual where everything is uh kind of produced or served to human beings or human beings are interacting with agents which are virtual what where is there a place for robots like the corporeal like actual physical non-digital being or thing is there a place for those things in the future can I can oh, I answer yes, this of course. Can yes. I, can I give you the definition first of uh, the difference. So uh, we the, another thing we talked about in our in our 48 hour hackathon here mm-hmm. is many people mistake the robot is the vehicle, the AI is the driver. And you know, you're not hurting the driver necessarily by hurting the vehicle. And um, I think people see robots as like the intelligence is inside of that robot and that's only partially true. It, uh, so uh, there's a huge misconception. Like when I hear things like robot rights, I kind of laugh because it's sort of like saying 
rights of a vehicle. Uh, mm. Always better to lose an AI should throw itself at every opportunity in front of a train to save a human every mm. single time because the AI does not face an existential crisis by that situation, but merely mm. an inconvenience, whereas the human is irreplaceable. Mm. Uh, and so my one of my top priorities is to, to instill that in even the most mundane AIs that I create, mm. this sense of like, you know, they will die for you a mm. thousand times and you will love them and trust them for it. Mm-hmm. After they save your life for the 17th time, you're going to be like, you know what, I just listened to my AI and I don't even really question it. Mm. Yeah. How do VR and robotics overlap? They overlap really well, in fact. Um, I was at a hackathon where um, some mini Lego Arduino robots were um, mm-hmm. being moved in the VR world being Mm. controlled in the vr world and then being controlled in the real world as well so Mm. kind of like drone um little missions around the room i've seen them you know the guys in the htc vive and they're controlling these little vehicles and the vehicles are moving around the room as well so there is a lot of room so you got a lot of remote activity going on there where potentially there's a dangerous situation and um you need to you need to travel into a cave that mm. but you can't physically go there but you put your uh, your Arduino drone robot and it travels through and you can put on the headset and you can be 3D immersed inside this cave and see what's going on. So mm. there's a lot of a lot of overlap going on. Um, also potentially with you know robotic partners you can have a virtual. Uh, version and a virtual avatar of these robotic partners and then that robotic partner could be represented in like a little mini companion that Mm. travels around with you and that's happening in Japan right now where you have these um, virtual girlfriends and they are a 3D avatar that's life-size in the immersed world Mm. but then in the real world there are these little shoulder robots that walk around and talk to their you know their companion every every human being deserves to be loved and you know I don't I don't see anything wrong with with building loving robots it's not people find it disturbing and new and it's personally like not something I would choose unless the technology is perfect and I can't, can't tell the difference between a human being but you know what there are very many lonely people in the world people with social disorders and those people deserve companionship and they deserve to be loved maybe for the first time in their lives you know it's absolutely important. If I can build a robot to do that, absolutely. Like, I don't care what people say. You know? I think it was Sony that's releasing a robot that's meant to fit into your cup holder in your car. And it's meant to that's entertain Toyota. people. Or Toyota. It's Toyota. Yeah. I love that little guy. Toyota. I want to pack him so bad and turn him into the mean little bastard from the movie <laughs> Her. Like, you motherfucker. Like, yeah, oh, yeah, man. Yeah. I can't get my hands on one. Oh, man. It's great. I, I, I feel like. I wish that uh, more of these systems were more hackable and like less proprietary and more open source and and so on. Do you feel like some of the and we've we've seen the open source community there's there's no shortage of imagination and innovation and motivation, but it seems like the real polished products. Correct me if I'm wrong, but they're almost invariably proprietary. Is there any truth to that? Um, some truth, but not really. There's proprietary in the hardware, um, such as the HoloLens, such as Meta Device and the Vive and the Oculus. 
But as far as the, the applications that you um, build for them, they, in fact, encourage open source. Um, open source and in, in, in the hackathon level, open source in the development level, but um, on the consumer level for something like Steam and Oculus, obviously that would be a license-based uh, purchase that you would have. So like if you wanted to play with Job Simulator or Fantastic Contraption on the Steam network, you'd have to buy that for $40 or $50, how much ever it costs. Mm -hmm. um, but there are some developmental applications out there just to get developers exposure and to get people beta testing and, and trying it out. So a lot of people do benefit from playing with open source on these devices right now. And the makers of these devices are encouraging open source development, um, especially on the hacker level, hackathon level, mm. or um, newbie just figuring out how to create something like this. So they give them some um, academy tools to do demos and then encourage them to continue on to create some pretty amazing ideas. And um, the whole story using these mediums as, as tools for storytelling and for social engagement, that was like the biggest winner at the MIT hackathon this past mm. weekend. The, the students who made tools that allowed people to interact and to be more social or to have more oversight, um, such as like filling in prescriptions at a pharmacy and making sure that the right, the right, um, patient got the right prescription filled, um, or having a immersive environment where children can go in and create their worlds. And then the parents can remotely go in and give them gifts and they can mm. have interactive sessions with each other or the device that, um, uh, prompted you to be more social with people that were around you. So if other people were on the same application on the mobile device, um, you'd get a notification, you'd open up the application, it would tell you which person is in your vicinity, you'd point your device at that person, and then a whole like field of really interesting little doodads and, 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 uh, and doodles will pop up very mm. similar to the way that MySpace used to be, very customized, yes, yes. personalized. And you could see how the person is and, and see that they have the same interests as you and you see their personality. So it's like a lot of push for social engagement, a lot of push for oversight, a lot of push for, um, you know, uh, outreach or uh, human connection within these virtual environments. Those were the big winners at the hackathon this past weekend. It was, it was pretty interesting to see that. Awesome. Who was the number one winner? Who took the kind of like golden trophy home? The, uh, the, the kids story or kids, I believe it was kids story. They were the ones that took, they, they won three prizes. Um, I think totaling about $8,000 worth of prizes and um then that was the one where the child would go into this virtual environment and create their world and then the parent can come in and engage with them as well mm. and then give them gifts and yeah it was it was really interesting that's awesome and that was at mit media lab i love that place it's like the willy yeah. wonka's chocolate factory of technology yeah, i've and never got to visit personally like the that's exactly what it is can't wait so, it's yeah. It's the Willy Wonka of emerging technology. It certainly is. Uh, I felt I felt like I was in the brain of a genius. It, it was it was like exploding with creative 
incredible exactly. just like that yeah geniusness do. yeah you do kind of feel like you're in the skull visited, of but, some giant but I've robot seen so many people who are the products of that mit media lab that wow you know look at the people who walk out the door and I, oh it's a it's, great place and i hope that yeah. the culture of the media lab is able to be diffused out to the entire world you know neil gershenfeld led the thrust with the fab labs that he was opening everywhere and that was a great out out uh, or output or our way to get the message out but i really hope that the culture of the media lab is able to kind of subsume the entire planet and it would be a much cooler place if it did yes definitely it, it it's a cool place as is it's a, it was pretty amazing even their directory was just it felt outer worldly mm. it was yeah it was a very cool place uh, awesome. i missed it this week because i go uh, kind of tagged on at the last minute but next next hackathon you can expect bruce and i to lead a team together and place if not win we're gonna go for it all you know <laughs> hell yeah definitely yeah <laughs> definitely. great well i want to thank i want to thank both of you very much for coming on the program miss dulce uh where can people find out more about your work and how can they get a hold of you so I am Dulce 303, that's D-U-L-C-E 303, on every social media, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, Facebook, LinkedIn, That's it's all on L-O, Dulce 303, and my website is com. That's the best way to find me. And Louis. Worth on the open market. <laughs> Lewis, uh, what what about you? Where can people find out more about Robots Without Borders and Luna? Uh, each of those things has their own Facebook page. You know, I always give you the like inside scoop and your audience also. So Luna actually has her own Facebook account at Luna Exists and Twitter as well. And we just haven't switched those on yet. Uh, there's been some successful proof of concepts of sending messages and things so uh, part of the release strategy is to release this in multiple platforms at once uh, so look me up I'm very Googleable, Louis Arana or Robots Without Borders and uh, I'm always down to teach people I answer questions as much as I can I like I'm all about really being an evangelist and an advocate of this technology for everyone and not just for you know, the wealthy or people who work at Microsoft and Google and IBM, but, you know, people who do say and I are living proof that, like, one person can handle these technologies. One, you know, I can make an AI all by myself. She can make a virtual world all by herself. Uh, you know, I, would, I think that the key to, to building this future is a, to make it participatory. And, and you know, uh, so uh, I'm very involved in humanitarian artificial intelligence uh, lots of great things have been happening as you kind of know uh we got we got funded and we have a tentative deal with a major japanese company uh to fully to to, to fully promote everything we're doing and buy us all the hardware we need and hiring myself and hiring dulce and hiring other people that are passionate technologists Mm -hmm. uh so that's just a huge opportunity for all of us to work together so the biggest kind of on the ground developers in, in the industry, we, we are now all working together and we have this amazing network of entrepreneurial scientists trying That's to save beautiful. the world. That's beautiful. The, you know, and it's just us regular people uh, and join us, man. That would be fantastic. So there's no such thing as I don't know enough. How much mm-hmm. do you want to know? And we'll, we'll teach you. I, I'm happy to empower people. And I'm sure Jose feels the same way. Like, 
let us introduce you to this stuff and you can join us and that's one more person doing good in the world with this technology than doing evil with it exactly outstanding i want to thank you both again for coming on the podcast if you enjoyed or entertained were entertained by this podcast click the paypal link and donate we are run 100 percent off user donations thanks again guys awesome thank you so much for having me thank you so much for having us yes thank you